Imagine a world in which it's okay for women to just be who they are, to lead themselves, their families, their teams, their organizations from a position of authenticity. Imagine a world where women who challenge the status quo are liberated into making the impact that we need into creating a world that works better for us. Welcome to Lady Rebel Leader. Hello and welcome to episode one of Lady Rebel Leader. I'm Dr. Erica Bowen. I'm a coaching psychologist and a forensic psychologist. And Lady Rebel Leader is designed to offer you some informal support if you are a woman in leadership. And I thought what I'd do in this first episode is kick off with what I'm now lovingly referring to as the goo of change. And The title came about from a quote that I saw where we often believe that coaching programs, any personal development program can kind of transform us overnight from a cocoon to a beautiful butterfly, from a chrysalis to the most stunning moth, whichever way we want to think about it. And when we have that mindset about personal change, it can be really frustrating. It can add to that sense that we're not changing in the way we want to. We're not changing quick enough. It can make us attribute blame to the people we're working with that are trying to support us in our change journey. And as a coach, it's definitely the case that there are a lot of messages out there, a lot of big promises about, you know, work with me and I'll make you this, work with me and we'll stop this. And actually change only comes about if you are the one doing the work. And there's no two ways about it. I've been a psychologist for 20 years. A lot of my work has been around creating behavior change programs, attitude change programs for people within the criminal justice system and associated organizations. And the personal change journey is not straightforward. It is not linear. You can't really just take a step onto it and then six months later, everything is fine. And so what I thought I'd talk about is, I guess, my understanding of some of the challenges that we encounter when we're going through a process of personal change. Um, And along the way, I'll try and drop in constructive hints and tips as to how I think you can help yourself, regardless of who you're working with. And I think what we know from counselling, from psychotherapy, from coaching, from all of these amazing, incredible interlaced disciplines is that one of the most important mechanisms of personal change is the relationship that you have with the person who is holding space for you. Now, we often call that the therapeutic alliance or the working alliance. And so if you're looking for a coach, if you're looking for a therapist, for a counsellor, whoever, to help you engage in personal change, you have to work with somebody that you fundamentally trust. And that is a kind of a precondition for change. And that's something that you can at least control is work with somebody who you feel is aligned to your values, who you feel safe with. Because the other thing about personal change is that it makes you feel very vulnerable. 
And sometimes it requires you to be very vulnerable, very honest, very open with yourself in a way that possibly you haven't been before. And when you're working with somebody in that space, that vulnerability is then shared. So making sure that you're working with somebody who is aligned with who you are, who makes you feel safe, is going to be a really, really good start. And that's before you even think about how we're going to actually do the change thing. And a lot of the time, what drives us to change is a, a moment in time, a decision, some, some drastic feedback, a sudden realization. Sometimes it's just the acknowledgement of a lot of individual psychological nudges. You know, those little moments where you go, oh, I really should do something about that, or I really need help there. And then we dismiss them away. And one thing that you need to get clear on is really your motivation for for starting, because the motivation that gets you started is not the same as the motivation that's going to see you through. So if you're sitting on the fence and you're wondering, oh, I don't know, maybe I should get some help or I don't really know if there is help for what I need or really do I need help? You know, let's face it, maybe it's not as bad as you think. Maybe it's not as bad as other people think. Maybe you can carry on and it'll all be good. Then what I suggest you do is engage in something called the decisional balance, which is where you literally write a pro and con list. But you write a pro and con list for staying the same, for doing nothing. And you write a pro and con list for the change that you could achieve. So if, for example, you're not happy in your role, then you write a pro and con list for staying where you are. Okay. And you are honest, every single, a smallest thing that you can think of. And then you think about the change that you could make. And you write a pro and con list for the change. And then you can objectively evaluate, really, is there a greater pro or con for staying where you are or for really stepping in and thinking about engaging in change. Once you've made the decision that you want to do some change work, then we need to understand what it is that you want to change. Now, you can do this if, you know, maybe it is something to do with your workplace. Maybe it's a lifestyle thing. Maybe you've got some clear data that means that you need to change the way that you're living your life. So it could be quite straightforward in some ways to think, oh, actually, maybe I need to do more exercise, change what I eat. Maybe I need to change my daily routine so that I have more time for me. But whatever it is, you get to get really, really clear on what that is, because if you don't have a clear sense of what it is that you want to achieve, you won't know once you've got there. And actually, it'll be really, really easy to have your motivation, your maintenance motivation, your engagement motivation just dissipate away and just drift away. So having a clear goal is really, really vital to get started. You may well find that as you start the change process that your goal shifts. And that's absolutely fine because you will change as a person through the process of change. So being open to the fact that what you need from that change process is going to be different over time will also stop you from being too harsh on yourself or feeling disappointed because being open to change, having a growth mindset, realizing that we are not fixed and set in stone is one of the healthiest outlooks you can bring to the change process. When we think of what it is we want to achieve, what we know is that if we visualize the outcome, it's an incredibly powerful tool. And it can convince our brain that the future is going to happen. 
because our brain can't really distinguish between reality and what we think about, which is both good when it comes to visualization and bad when it comes to listening to that inner voice of nonsense that we kind of sometimes pay too much attention to, those limiting beliefs that can trip us up along the way. So once you've got a sense of what it is that needs to change, you need to have a visualization of what's going to be replacing it. Now, a lot of the time when we think about change, we come at it from a removal. We're wanting to get rid of something. So that's great in that it can provide initial motivation. But actually, if we engage with the change process from a point of deprivation, then that can actually make change much more difficult to achieve because all we're doing is focusing on what we're not having so or what we're not experiencing. So you have to frame it in the sense of, if I'm no longer doing this, what am I going to be doing instead? And getting really clear on the benefits. Now, part of doing this is understanding the function of the behavior that you are trying to get rid of. So what need does it meet in you? So if, for example, you spend all evening on, I don't know, Netflix or scrolling on your phone, then what is the need that that behavior is meeting? And maybe it's a need to avoid negative emotions. Maybe it's a way of numbing. So in that case, what could you do that is a more beneficial behavior that could replace that behavior that actually is not helping you really because you're not dealing with your feelings and you're possibly excluding yourself from other people in the case of scrolling? So when you come to a replacement behavior, it has to give you the same kind of reward but be better for you in a broader sense. Okay, so you need to dig down into what is the need that this behavior that I want to change is meeting in me and how can I do that in a way that is better for me in maybe more than one area of my life. Then we need to start thinking about what are the smallest daily habits we can change? Because again, sometimes when we set ourselves a goal, it's a lofty goal, you know, if we take a standard weight loss journey, we think, oh, you know, I need to lose 28 pounds, two stone, whichever way you think about that. And when we focus on that and we focus only on the goal, then what it means is that we can get very disheartened when what we're seeing is that actually we're plateauing or we're not losing as much per day as we expected to, or maybe we've set ourselves an unrealistic timeline. So if we can focus on the micro behaviors that will take us step by step to that bigger goal and track them, then actually what we are doing is making ourselves aware of the progress that we're taking. And if we build in rewards for engaging in those behaviors, then we also get a dopamine boost. And dopamine is what drives our reward system. It's what drives a lot of addictive behaviors, is that sense of reward that we get when we do something good. Now, the nice thing about dopamine and our brain is that we can reward ourselves by simply doing what we said we were going to do. So each day, create tiny, tiny daily habits that are replacing old behaviors with new. And maybe at the end of the day or maybe at the end of the week, we just acknowledge in ourselves the fact that we did what we said we were going to do. And that will boost our dopamine. That will give us a sense of reward and it will keep us motivated. Now, obviously, you also need to start thinking about how are you going to measure and notice the change And what are going to be the signs and the indicators that you're getting to where you want to achieve? So you've got those micro behaviors and maybe you need landmarks in your journey of change that you can take stock at and reflect back at the journey that you have made. And these things will keep your motivation going 
along with that vision of who you want to become. Now, a lot of the time, when even when we think about, say, offenders who want to stop committing crime, there is a really interesting identity issue that comes into play here. And I think it gets downplayed in a lot of personal change work. So we might say that actually we really just want to, you know, create more, more space for ourselves in our day. That requires us to become a different person. And that requires us to navigate the relationships around us that influence our time. It requires us to believe in ourselves in a different way. We have to believe that we're worthy of that new lifestyle, whatever that new lifestyle is. So when we're thinking about the vision and what we're trying to achieve, we need to frame it in terms of who are we going to become? So who do we want to become? Now, maybe if it's around work-life balance, it's a, we want to become a chilled out version of who we are. And so let's name it. You know, maybe I, I want to become chilled out Erica. Maybe I want to become healthy Erica, whichever way it is. But the moment that I start thinking of myself as healthy Erica, when I'm engaging in those behaviors that support my vision of healthy Erica, then I am an in alignment with that vision of my future self. If I get to that moment where I have a choice to make between do I continue to be healthy or do I not, then I can challenge myself and say, okay, so what would healthy Erica do in this situation? Now, habits are one of those things that, you know, we talk about a lot and we know that it takes time to embed them. So when you're creating new daily habits, a new daily routine, the easiest way to do that is to start sticking new habits onto old ones. And it's what James Clear in Atomic Habits calls habit stacking, you know, and it makes perfect sense because we are very routine beings. We have our set ways of doing things. So if we're wanting to bring in something new, then we can add it on to what we're already doing. Maybe we're just wanting to swap out, but even that swap will be linked to something that we're already doing. So for example, say you get up in the morning, you have your cup of coffee, and then you want to bring in doing stretching. Okay, then you just start creating those routines of when I've had my coffee, I will then do my stretching. If I have coffee, then I stretch first thing in the morning. And we start beginning to bring together these behavioral chains that represent the change. And when we engage in those over time, we become more likely to maintain the identity of healthy Erica, chilled Erica, which way it is that we're trying to go. The other thing that we need to do is to be really kind to ourselves throughout this process. When we think about motivation, there is a lovely psychological model called the transtheoretical model of change. And it talks about going through different stages of motivation to engage. Now, if we are in an action stage, that's when we are really hyper-motivated. We're taking those daily steps and we are creating that vision and we are becoming the person that we want to become. But we can also slip back. So our motivation is not flat. Just because we start from a position of preparation to take action or action when we're beginning to actually do the things, it might mean that over time, if we don't get the feedback that we want or the feedback we hoped for in the time that we we're expecting, that that can then make us step back down into a less action-oriented stage of motivation. That is perfectly fine. Okay. It's part of how motivation works. So what we need to do is to be really, really, really kind to ourselves 
and always take the opportunity to remember how far we've come. Because once we've started to change, there really isn't any going back. Even if a couple of weeks later, we ended up having a day that was the, you know, a day from the past where we engaged in the habits we had before, we're still a different person because we have learned more about how we can already make those changes. And what we have to hang on to is the evidence that we can do it rather than slipping back into, oh God, I'm now having a day where I was, you know, a day that I never wanted to have again, and then giving up because we think that we failed. We know that personal change is really hard. Therefore, we need to be really compassionate to ourselves. And we can do that by things like embracing a loving kindness meditation, where we simply put our hands on our heart, close our eyes and wish ourselves good wishes. And it might sound like a really strange thing to do, but it's just about holding yourself in mind and thinking about actually, you know, if you were supporting a dear, dear friend through their own change journey, and they had a day that was not on plan, whatever their plan was, how would you support them? And then just turn that in on yourself. You would probably say things like, you know what, it's really tough and you've done so well. So, you know, you've been so committed. You've made some really bold decisions. It's going to be hard to make these changes. You're changing who you are. So what we need to do is to embrace what we have done, to connect deeply with the change that we've made, and then to take tomorrow as the next starting point and just keep going and expect that there will be days when it's hard because there are days when our motivation wanes. There are days when we get influenced by external forces. And that brings me on to what we also know about change. And that is that change by itself can be really, really hard if you're doing it by yourself, even if you're working with a coach, if you know, even if you're working with a therapist, a counsellor, that's still your own personal journey. And sometimes it can feel very lonely. So what you need to do is to really connect with your tribe. Who is it that you need to bring with you? Who is it that you need to full disclosure, explain what you're doing and why you're doing it? Who do you need to link arms with you so that you know that in those days when it's tough, you can send them a message going, hey, I'm not having a great day. I need some support. How can you corral those people to help you manage your environment? Because sometimes our environment is the thing that we battle with most when it comes to making these changes. Other people's expectations of us, if we are changing our behaviors, it can be difficult to go against them. And sometimes it can feel as though people are trying to purposefully undermine the changes we're trying to make. We need really clear communication, okay? We need to have sometimes difficult conversations because all of this is about putting yourself first, putting your needs first, putting your need to change first. And sometimes what that does is it destabilizes other people. When they can see that you're stepping up and that you are becoming the person you want to become, it can make them look inward and question why they're not doing the same thing. Why don't they have the courage to make those changes for themselves? So if you experience any negative feedback, you just have to remember that actually it's got nothing to do with you. Their feedback is a reflection of their own view of the world and of themselves in it. It's got nothing to do with whether or not your change process is good or bad, right or wrong. If you have decided to change, then it is the right thing for you. So there you go. That's my kind of meandering through what I see as the the main substance of the goo of change. 
there is so much more out there. There's a whole world of neuroscience you can delve into if you're interested in how the brain can also sabotage us. But really, it's about having a clear vision, linking it to an identity, breaking it down into smallest steps, keeping on going, unhooking ourselves from that inner noise of the the undermining thoughts we can bring us to ourselves, shaping our environment and linking arms with people that can support us. So if you've taken any value from that, I would love to know, please email me at erica at thehopemakers.co.uk and I'll be with you with a guest on the next episode. 